When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Fantasy Six-Pack Hour With your hosts Joe Bob Ah, you're awful And A.J. Applegar Sin Shu Chu It's a mouthful All right, all right. Welcome to the Fantasy Six Pack Hour. My name is Joe Bond, founder of FantasySixPack.net. With me as usual, my clean-shaven co-host. That's not usual. What's up, that man? Is not, How's it going? It is not. Yes, it's a <laughs> new change in ways, I guess, face. Until Just trying next to week. make myself don't, look young again. Don't lie. Work made you do it. No. <laughs> Nope. It doesn't work for the Yankees. Definitely <laughs> doing not here. Not anyway. Slipers. <laughs> All right, guys. So tonight we're doing our last preseason fantasy football show of the year. Next week it's week one, so we'll be covering that then. Uh, but tonight, as uh, drafts are winding down for everybody probably got the last you know push here this weekend and early next week we're going to be covering some fantasy football rankings talk so we're going to be talking kind of process um you know using them in your drafts uh how do you uh, do you something else um and then just going over some guys that we like a little more than the consensus and some guys that we like a little less than the, than the consensus. And uh, we got a great guest in on tap for you guys for that one. But uh, before we get into that, just want to ask everybody to hit that subscribe button, that like button, uh, you know, leave those comments, those reviews, whatever we, we appreciate it. And uh, it goes a long way in helping us out. And then look guys, if you haven't done so yet, you know, we, we've got quite a few subscribers now. Um, but jump on board with with the, with everybody else, and um, you know you're going to get access to our, our weekly rankings, which are you know uh, award winning. Here we've got the uh, the two top five finishes and plenty of other top fifteen and twenty finishes as well from other guys. So we, we've had a lot of success there. You're going to get direct access to those. You're going to get access to our DFS projections and our DFS stacking tool. You're going to get access to our betting tips and uh, all of our other DFS content, as well as, you know, a a bunch of other in-season content as well. And then the best thing is you get access directly to us on our Discord. Uh, So you can ask us questions, just talk to us. We'll be doing weekly AMAs on different topics. I'm doing one. I haven't decided if it's going to be Wednesday or Thursday afternoon yet. Uh, trying to wait for my my daughter's softball schedule to get released to figure out when I can actually fit it in, uh, but I will be doing a weekly AMA for you know lineup questions, trade questions, whatever it is that you have. Um, so get in on that. Uh, it's fantasysixpack.net slash plans. Hit up that all access plan. That's the one you want, 
and uh, use promo code F6P early for 25% off. I suppose it's not early anymore. Maybe I should change the uh, tag, but you know, we haven't had a hundred yet, so I guess I'll keep it around, but alrighty, uh, let's bring in our guest and I'm sorry, I'm probably going to clear my throat a bunch of this show. <coughs> Still getting over the cold a little bit. Uh, sorry about that, Matt, Matt Donnelly from fantasy points. Um, how's it going tonight, man? It's going good here. Um, Looking forward to the show today. I know you guys couldn't get any of the good experts, and here I am, <laughs> kind of give you a little bit of my thought process. Good, good experts. Show, but... You are. Uh, by the way, I, I kind of trimmed the intro because I had to cough. Um, but Fancy Points Live, fellow Keens Classic member, by the way. Um, yeah, so we we are a little bit of enemies, but also friends, frenemies. Yeah, maybe. We're both frenemies there. Yeah, I mean, uh, we always blame Waz. Good way, guess. What are you talking Waz. about, man? You were number two last year, Fantasy Pros, for the Draft Accuracy Challenge. Phenomenal, dude. I, I still have... want to get a shirt that says, who does number two work for? I still think I should get that. <laughs> that is with great. The, with I'm the little sure top five accuracy easily. thing to go. So. <laughs> that is fantastic. I, I love that idea. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's like I apparently I just need to take a drink. So let's just do our drink yeah, slash probably. beer of the week. Mm, beer. All right, Matt. So uh what are you drinking tonight, man, during the show? So I'm drinking, ready for this? Coffee flavored coffee. No cream and no sugar. Cause you know, I gotta watch my figure a little bit. None of that stuff to add that little bit of fat and stuff. So we're going with the coffee flavored coffee, the Tim Hortons brew right now, because what's more Canadian than Tim Hortons coffee at whatever time is seven o'clock at night. So I'm usually pretty good till about, I can drink coffee to about 11 o'clock. It doesn't keep me up. It's the, the, uh, getting rid of the coffee that tends to keep me up more than anything. Right. Yeah. I know what you mean by that. That's why I do not drink coffee after a certain time of day. I'm done. <laughs> um, <clears throat> all right, AJ, what you got? <laughs> All right. Uh, I myself am kicking into the Big Truck Farm Breweries flatbread, uh, flatbread, yeah, flatbed. Uh, it's just the their pale ale that they Are have. Nothing. What? <laughs> Are you hungry? No, I ate plenty today. <laughs> um, it's nothing, nothing super heavy. It's five point five, so taking it a little, little light. Uh, I did already have a. <laughs> right bob nice <laughs> uh i did already have up, uh, a 10 percent belgian triple and something else i don't know so you've already gone hard must have been cool. pretty good <laughs> <laughs> nice all right so i'm bringing i'm bringing a uh 10 bends beer it is from this is the last of the brews that i picked up when i was in delaware from hyde park vermont uh so it's Hubbard Ridge Double IPA cans, kind of cool. I love the art, uh, the mountain view there. Uh, I gave this one a four and three quarters on Untapped out of five. This is a phenomenal beer, and it's like um, scary how smooth and, and good it is because it goes down way too fast for a what is it eight point seven percenter? Yeah, it's not 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 good. Yeah, I mean it is good, but it's not good how fast you can drink it. So, all right, cheers, everybody, right. and uh, let's get into it here. So, what we're gonna start here out with Matt is just kind of talking about the rankings process, um, you know, how we use them, things like that. So, the first question I've got for you is, 
just what is your process in creating your rankings? Are you a projection guy that goes directly to your rankings or are you a projection guy that creates like a base rankings and then you might tweak it a little bit just based on gut feel or are you just a gut feel guy? You ever watch, I can't remember what show it is. It might be an Adam Sandler video or something like that where they basically, there's like four of them. They grab pickles, they throw them against the window and the pickle like kind of, <laughs> races on down i mean that's basically how it goes i'm like okay patrick mahomes josh allen slap him up there on the window and see who comes down first that's how i kind of work my rankings no but it's it's really more about a gut feel i mean i do this thing called the heat check which means i take every depth chart imaginable and i put it into one spreadsheet one easy to find kind of thing so if you're looking for the top five wide receivers i've got all 32 teams of the top five listed all the way down so i kind of have a big old look at what everyone's got how they kind of line up and i also do this for the idp side so i'm heavily invested onto both ends of the on both sides of the ball which i think is very important when you do these rankings to understand what all goes into it who's playing who this kind of thing so after i get those rankings or those depth charts all set then it's going into nfl releases the schedule then it's okay who plays who based on strength of schedule let's take a look at that and then once the priest, I come up with my original rankings, there's not a whole lot that goes into it other than a little bit of tweaking here and there, playing the camp news game. They're kind of deciphering coach speak and mm-hmm. just kind of breaking down all that kind of stuff there. And not just coach speak, like look at Aaron Rodgers and how he's hyped up Alan Lazard the last few weeks here heading into the regular season. We don't have to like Alan Lazard. We don't. But if Aaron Rodgers likes Alan Lazard, that's a completely different thing. So you got to put a little bit of truth to what Aaron Rodgers is saying, mostly because there's nobody else there. So you kind of decipher that, find, try and find that truth between what's being said and then kind of put that into your ranking. So for the most part, it is, okay, understanding where I like. So I kind of grab everything, mix, mash it all up. I've got my general idea, then look at the depth charts, then look at the coach speak, and then kind of decipher everything, and then kind of watch the film. I mean, go back there, watch spring training, watch that news, watch everything that's kind of going into it. I mean, it's quite the lengthy process just to kind of summarize it up into one quick, uh, easy-to-help kind of uh, breakdown. Yeah, uh, I agree. I am. Uh, I do all of those things outside of, like, creating, you know, the, the depth charts. I just kind of look at whatever's out there. I don't create my own. Um, there's lots of reputable sites that create depth charts that I can just kind of use at my own, you know, device here. Um but, you know, I, I am not a projections guy either. Um, I'm just a, yeah, I kind of gut feel it, um, you know, uh, hear what, you know, hear what's going on in camps. You know, I, I do all that digging in, right? And I do all the, you know, what's going on in camps, who's saying what, who's not saying what, um, who's hurt, who's not hurt, uh, who's performing, right? I mean, that as much as we want to discount preseason, like there are certain players that you need to see perform, right? You need, you kind of want to see the rookies not look like total duds, right? You want to see guys that are in um, position battles perform way better than the next one, right? You know, a guy coming off of injury, you want to see if he's actually explosive, right? I mean, it, you know, are, are we ever going to worry about like, Josh Allen only playing four snaps. No, absolutely not. That's not what we're looking at. You know, you know, we're we're looking at, you know, we wanted to see Isaiah McKenzie, you know, possibly, you know, play a little play play pretty well type of thing. 
and and then hopefully you know land that depth chart spot which he did so that that's a big plus for him um that kind of stuff that's how i i roll with it um i eventually am i had the plans to do it this year but the summer derailed me was going to get into building projections and and using that as a baseline first but uh i just went back with the tried and true method and uh hopefully it'll work again so well, we're in the business of predictive analysis, right? We're we're yeah. we're basically fantasy football weathermen. Uh, that is basically what it comes down to. So there's there's I don't think there's an exact science, but going to training camp and preseason, it's not just about watching Joe Mixon. I don't need to necessarily watch Joe Mixon, but I want to know how this offensive line is going to come together for him. So there's other things that I'm watching outside of maybe the fantasy relevant players. I'm looking at this offensive line. I'm looking at what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball. If they're going to turn the ball over and give the ball back to offenses and stuff like that, say you got four division teams in the division have weak defenses that are just going to keep on coughing up the ball and stuff. I'm like, okay, I want in this. I want some players on the offensive side of the ball that are going in on that. So I'm going to bump them up my rankings and kind of see fit there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So we get to see all of that with uh, the shortened preseason, but yeah, on. but that's okay. You yeah. see enough. Yeah, of what we really care about. I mean, the fourth game was always like oh, the backups game. and then the you know, maybe third stringers. Like it, nobody ever played the fourth game, so it didn't matter anyway. Right. We got to see what we needed to see. The fourth game was worthless. Um, so based on your research, just real quick, are there any players that, you know, especially from like projections or whatever, you know, however you build your base here, um, were there any players that, kind of shocked you after the initial you know s- rankings that when you first looked at your list you're like damn he's he's ranked that low or that high like was there anybody that kind of like stuck out to you for me the first one's probably mike williams i mean yeah I- i've always i've already ragged on him a little bit being that injury prone wide receiver and this and that that's kind of always kind of followed him a little bit there so i was expecting to kind of be a little bit lower on him. And then after the season that he had, you know, he was a wide receiver, I think 13. For the most part, he, he came out gangbuster, but he struggled towards the end. But I still thought that he was going to show very well and how my rankings were all kind of figured out. But at the end of the day, I just found out that I love myself some Joshua Palmer, maybe a little too much. Uh, addicted to the deep ball there, so to speak, when it comes to Josh Palmer. Keenan Allen's there. Austin Eckler's going to factor in there. Now we get Sony Michelle. I don't know if that's going to factor in a whole heck of a lot anywhere down the road. But what it was all come down to, I was like, oh, man, I thought, I really thought that Mike Williams was going to be higher towards that wide receiver 14 to wide receiver 11 range for me based on what he was able to do last year. Meanwhile, I found him closer to wide receiver 24, wide receiver 25 when I when my rankings came out. And then I sit there and I'm looking I'm like, okay, no, there's no way Mike Williams should be this low. I mean, Allen and him were 12 and 13 last year. So you look at this and you're like, Okay, well, he's not going to go ahead of this guy. Well, I can't put him ahead of this guy. I can't put him ahead of this guy. And by the time you look, there's nowhere for him to go. So I was like, yeah. okay, well, I guess this is where he's going to be, even though he had so much success last season and nothing really changed other than Joshua Palmer has been getting a little bit more hype. Yeah, I, I've still got Williams around 15. That's my half PPR. Uh, that's that's what I kind of use for the for the show and the talking points. I just kind of hit the middle ground. Um I'll be honest with you. Yeah, like I, I really kind of thought him. he, I kind of thought he'd be higher um, than that when I, you know, I did my initial rankings. But um, I, I could easily drop him farther. I could easily put him at like 
19 or 20 even, and I wouldn't blink an eye. I'll be honest. I'm not, I'm not drafting him um, at that point. I just, to me with Matt, with Mike Williams, it's a consistency issue. And I know, uh, you know, I know we all know Bob Long, right? So, you know, he does that consistency guide. And, and I mean, I mean, you're looking at Mike Williams last year and everybody would be like, he was so awesome. I mean, he was wide receiver 11. Yeah. But believe me, after the first six weeks, you weren't happy with him. It was bad yeah. until the last yeah. like two weeks. <laughs> and one of those well, didn't count because it was week 18. <laughs> yeah. And I look at here right now, the guys I kind of got between him and a realistic spot. It's, the T. Higgins, Jalen Waddle, Brandon Cooks, Darnell Mooney, Cortland Sutton, Deontay Johnson, McLaren, Davis, Brown, Bateman, Christian Kirk. I don't know who I'd move them ahead of them based on everything we're talking about. And people are like, well, you got Christian Kirk too high. Christian Kirk's going to see that. We'll get onto him a little bit later, but he's yes. going to be an absolute target hog. Even at half point PR, 150 targets turns into 90 receptions, which turns into 45 points right there alone. So I look at the list. I'm like, I can't put you any higher. I just, there's nowhere for you to go. And that's, that's I, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm right. I don't know, but you mentioned this. Gangbusters to start the year dwindled off towards the end. It's like the Tyreek Hill situation. At the end of the day, Tyreek Hill is going to be a wide receiver, 9, 10, 11, somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah. But he's also going to give you games where he's got you absolutely nothing. He did this with the Chiefs last year. So where do you rank him? When you're doing your rankings, you're ranking on final season points. The real... The reality of it all is I don't like Tyreek Hill as my wide receiver nine. However, I feel like I got to put him up there because that's where his end of the season points are going to be. Not necessarily that consistency like Bob Lung had mentioned there. It's not going to be there game in, game out. Yeah, and I think uh, I think we're answering a question kind of already that we'll ask again a little later just to clarify things. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a great point. Like these guys, like you have to rank off of end of season points. That's how the rankings work. But it doesn't mean they're consistent every week. They're not. Doesn't mean you know two hundred points is going to be whatever that is over eighteen weeks. It means some of these guys are going to score thirty or forty point games, and some of these other and some of their other games are going to be ten ish. Maybe we hope. (laughs) You know, Amari Cooper, anybody Uh, (laughs) over the his entire career. So yeah, it's they got to factor that in when you draft for sure. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good point too. Cause with best ball becoming such a more prevalent, you know, league style now, uh, guys like a Mike Williams are great for that. Um, but you're only looking at them for what they can do for you in a given week. Uh, it's, it's similar to DFS in my mind. You just got to pick the right week. Um, you know, you mentioned Cooper. He's obviously a uh, show favorite for for that and his um, massive amounts of consistency that are not there. Um, yeah, I mean that that's uh, Sammy Watkins. We talked about Green Bay and and Alan Lazard. You're right. No one is there, but apparently Sammy Watkins is there. Cool. He'll have a game and then <laughs> ball number six. Um, Week one. Have another one, and uh, and that's about it. So, yeah, it's definitely um, something to, to keep in mind, too, and, and affects your rankings as far as how you're looking at them. If you're ranking for redraft and what whatnot, or if you're trying to rank for best ball. So, all right. So outside of uh, outside of injuries, then who do you have moving up your board 
and, and down your board and, and why? I got two of my guys, and I'm going to keep banging the drum for as long as anybody's willing to listen. And I'm going to put out there, and I'm, maybe it's bold, and maybe it's not, but I'm going to say top 12 seasons for both Brandon Cooks and Darnell Mooney this season. I've got them way above consensus. We're going to talk about guys we like. I'll give you a little sneak preview. These are two guys I like. These are two guys that are going to see 150-plus targets this season. We already know there's nothing else in Chicago outside of Cole Komet. We, they just signed uh, Smith-Marset out of the from the Minnesota Vikings. He may be the third-best option already in Chicago. Then you take a look at things in Houston, and I like this Houston offense probably more than I should, which is probably going to get me in trouble somewhere <laughs> on the season. But Bob Harris knows as well as anybody. But Darnell Mooney is my guy. I've been on the Darnell Mooney rocket ship since last April before everything started taking off, and I'm going to go there. I don't think he's come close to finishing where he's going to end up. So for me, Mooney's a guy I think he's going to go flying up these draft boards. Right now, I think he's getting drafted in the fifth round, which is absolutely criminal to me. You're getting a guy who could be a top 12 wide receiver in the fifth and sixth round. Brandon Cooks is finding himself slowly creeping up the boards to the fourth and fifth round, so he's finally getting a little bit of respect. You know, he's only put like, what, 1,000-yard seasons together the last five years with five different quarterbacks. I mean, Brandon Cooks is legit. We need to put some respect on his name as well. And then on the other side of things, it's these Seahawks pass catchers. I, I can't trust them. I just can't trust yeah. I, DK Metcalf. He's talented. Tyler Lockett is talented. Geno Smith, Drew Locke, they are not. Pete Carroll, we saw the video of Pete Carroll warming up the shoulder. And all I could think of is remember that one uh, commercial there with that little boy's like warming up his shoulder in front of Cam Newton? It felt like Pete Carroll was doing that for Drew Locke and Geno Smith. Like, get, he's like, hey, I got a starting quarterback. Unfortunately, it's me, not you two. So yeah. for me, it's these Seahawks wide receivers. I just can't get behind. I can't get behind anyone on the Seahawks offense. Even Kenneth Walker with his hernia surgery. Uh, Rashad yeah. uh, Penny there is a guy I absolutely love. He was the most efficient running back the last six weeks of the season, except he's still Rashad Penny when, the se- when it's all said and done. And you're just waiting for the bottom to fall out at some point. I mean, that's what we've experienced <laughs> the last few seasons. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm definitely on board with you with the uh, the Cooks. I've loved him for a while. I, I, it took me about two years to get over the injury risk bias that I had from what one year that he was really injured. And then he just puts up season after season after season for, you know, good, bad, or mediocre teams. It's, he's just a stud. So I'm with you on that one. Yeah, so it looks like we got some questions here, and then uh, and then I'll kind of give my guys here. So uh, Matt, we're, we're getting rapid fire here. All of a sudden, Chris Olave, what round? For the most part, I'm kind of avoiding him. I'm 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 yeah. pretty comfortable, probably around nine and ten. But I'm going J- uh, Garrett Wilson ahead of him as far as drafts mm-hmm. are concerned. We're talking about a top twelve rookie wide receiver who's getting drafted much later. So for me, Olave is a guy I'm just kind of holding back. I'm not as big on him as most people. Yeah, I think there's a, a lot of competition there in in New Orleans, and so I get the hesitation on, on Olave. But I think nine ten round is about right if you do want to target him. I mean, I think he's going to have a fine season, and he's a very very talented player. Don't get me wrong, um, but I mean, Michael Thomas is returning. You do have Jarvis Landry, who are legit, and then Kamara is a very good pass catching back. To where you're right, Garrett Wilson is dealing with Elijah Mitchell, who. Elijah Moore, I mean, we like we like him a lot for sure. Um, and then the running back situation is sort of, 
we're not really sure what's going on there right now. So uh, there's not as much competition. Now, granted, you know, quarterback possibly isn't as good. Team isn't as good. So maybe that plays a factor in it too. But yeah, I, I haven't, I haven't been targeting Olave uh, in any drafts, but um, if you do want a nine tens about right, um, we have another mm-hmm. one here. So if someone you're fading falls one round past ADP, do you pretty much pick them up? David, you know, example, David Montgomery, uh, what happens, you know, if what, what if it happens three rounds in a row, but all three of the guys are people you were fading, just do it. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll jump in here. I think it, it all sure. depends on your roster construction. I mean, at the end of the day, you can put lipstick on a pig, it's still a pig. So it doesn't really change the fact of why you're fading the guy. But if there's value right. to be had in the position that maybe you're not strong, say you go running back, running back in round one and two, and a running back you're fading in round two drops to round three, then no, absolutely not. I've already got two running backs set up. And say with the wide receivers, it all depends on also how your uh, league is set up. Is it three wide receivers? Can you start four? Can you start five? And on the flip side, if I start off three wide receivers and the, another receiver – is dropping that I'm fading, then I'm probably going to avoid him in the fourth round. So really it kind of goes down to how that roster construction for me is looking. I'm not afraid of grabbing a player and fading if they are falling below where the ADP would have them. But at the end of the day, you got to remember, why are they fading? If you're fading them and then the rest of your league mates happen to be fading them as well, either that you're an analyst and they're watching everything you do and they've got your rankings and <laughs> against you, or this person is someone you really, really should be fading and avoid altogether. Yeah, I- I can agree with, with with most of that. I um, that, yeah. I mean, even just a full round. I mean, you're talking what, ten, twelve picks. Um, it 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 does. It a hundred percent depends on the roster that you have built to the point. And if you, you know you need a running back and that running back fell, then maybe I'll pull the trigger. I mean, there is you know value is value, right? At some point, I mean, like. I, as an Amari Cooper um, hater for life um, in Warrior Bowl, decided to draft him for once, finally. And now I'm, you know, this was a month and a half ago when we thought Watson was going to, you know, play a little bit more than he actually is. So I was like, I mean, fine, you're falling to wide receiver, whatever it was. I forget now, 35 or 36. I was like, I mean, that sounds like that was value at the time. Now it's not so much value. So, <laughs> um, but you know that I was finally like, okay, I will, I will jump on the grenade. That's good value, even I'm not that stupid at that point. Um, but at some point, like you know, you've got to, you've got to look at some of these guys. Like I, you know, one guy that I see just continuously to fall in drafts is is like Miles Sanders. He goes way below his ADP almost every in every league I've been in lately, and there's nobody wants him, and I'm just kind of like. You know what? That's a guy that I don't really honestly care how far he far is. Like, I just really don't want him because a he's been often injured. He's not heavily utilized in that offense enough, and he's just a headache to have. I've had him before, and he is a super headache to deal with. So, if that's the case, I'm kind of off him and just let him let somebody else jump on that grenade and have him be their problem instead of yours. So, yeah. It is not always a clear-cut answer. I'm sorry, Robert. <laughs> well, yeah, like you said, I mean, if I'm using an anchor running back approach and I've got Christian McCaffrey or Jonathan Taylor as my RB1, I load up a wide receiver, and we're in the sixth, seventh round, and Miles Sanders is sitting there, that's time I'll take a shot at a guy. He's, he's going to get more than zero touchdowns, right? He is going to improve in that category. He scored zero touchdowns last season. 
So grabbing the seventh, eighth round, there's some value to be had. Amari Cooper, a great example of a guy that all of us are fading, but if all of a sudden he's sitting there in round number seven, there's not very many wide receiver ones on their team that are going to be available in round seven. So that's when you're like, where he, a guy you're fading, all then all of a sudden becomes a value. Yeah. So we were yeah. talking about guys moving up and down outside of injuries. Like those are the obvious ones. For me, one guy that kind of stands out is, um, is just, is, is you mentioned him earlier was Lazard. Um, it's not so much that, you know, anybody's hurt on that team. It's just, he's kind of the only guy. So I just, every time I redo my rankings, I'm like, yeah, you can go a little higher. You can keep going, keep going. I mean, he'll stop eventually, but you know, he's, He's uh he keeps creeping up and um unfortunately a lot of the drafts I'm in he keeps moving up on their boards too apparently I have not gotten him anywhere and I'm pissed so I'm gonna have to really like if I want any shares of Lazard I have two drafts left I'm gonna have to go get him and I'm figuring out so um, he seems to be a very popular pick so yeah Sanders is a good good one just going back to that real quick because. Obviously, I'm an Eagles fan and uh, indifferent on Sanders. Um, he has been hurt too. That's the thing. Yeah, he's so. he, the injuries are, are not you know just a, a thing to throw out there. He's been screwed by them. Um, Boston Scott's been able to step up and really Kenny Gainwell, um, but now they've they've just uh, claimed. Trey Sermon, and I heard yesterday that they claimed LaMichael Pirine too, which I, I don't know if he's still technically there, but yeah, they're just, the squad. Yeah, they just, they're, but they're they're basically getting to the point where they've had enough of Sanders, I think, and if he doesn't really show up this year, which is a contract year for him, see ya. I mean, they're they're gonna try to do what they can to to move on from it. So, all right. Before we get to the next question, we got a couple more here. Ralph again, um, Damian Pierce. How many yards? Oh, I don't do projections. So I'm, I'm gonna say he's gonna get about 225 carries, probably 1,025 yards, and six touchdowns. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, high. I think the high point would be like eleven hundred. That's kind of, that was kind of like my just, and this is without even looking at projections. That was kind of like my guess. So, seems like I'm, I'm pretty pretty close at least. That sounds about right. I think that's pretty fair. Um, and then uh, we got Peng's picks here. Uh, who do you believe leaves a running back crew for the Chiefs? I mean, I think lead it. It's gonna be Ceh. Um, yeah. Pacheco will-, will make some noise though. That's for sure. Yeah, CEH will be the starter, um, but uh, we we have the fantasy six pack running back depth chart that is posted, which I need to update already. Um, <laughs> depth charts are coming back this year uh, due to due to uh, some some demand and uh, some hiatus from COVID, but um, I think he's going to be the starter, but in, in that article, we talk about how the starter is not necessarily the guy that's going to get the most carries every week, um, you know, or be the most productive back. Well, Chiefs, yeah. Chiefs is interesting. Um, you know, McKinnon, when healthy, uh, has been productive and, you know, seems to be uh, favored. Um, CEH just hasn't lived up to the hype yet. 
So yeah, I mean, Pacheco is a rookie, but he he's balled out so far. So a lot how of, dare lot- you not mention Ronald Jones? He made the team. <laughs> just barely. Hey, he okay. just barely made it, but he made it. John the Press is not on the show. I don't have to mention Ronald Jones. <laughs> oh, True that. John, we love you, what? man. I'm sorry. That was uh, that was a little blow. Kind of. Edward Hilaire is still going to lead this team in touches out of the yeah. backfield. He's going to get you 700 yards rushing. He's going to get you 300 yards receiving. I mean, he's going to factor in all that stuff. I'm not as high on Pacheco, and I definitely am no uh, Ronald Jones guy. I think Jet McKinnon, he can factor in this more than what we're giving consideration to. But yeah. for anyone that's asking, I think when you factor in the passing game here, even in half PPR, I think you're looking at a guy in Clyde Edwards Hilaire who's going to be in that top 20 running back conversation. Uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, I can I've got see it, it inside my top 30, but he's the very bottom of it. Um, it's I don't I don't like him too much. Uh, and then just uh, man, we get we're getting lots of questions here. So one more quick one. This one's quick. Jacobs or Pierce? It's rapid fire. I'm Jacobs. AJ. Yeah. Uh, I got Jacobs two spots higher. Okay, I've got him. I got him a few spots higher. I, I'm 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 probably I think I'm a little higher on Jacobs than than some. It feels like one of those seasons that the Raiders are probably going to cut him out, like get rid of him after the end of the season, fifth year off. Yeah. Pick up. Let's run him right into the ground and see what we can get. Yeah, and that's why that's why I've got him ranked a little higher than I think some do. So but, I'm all for it. I'm going, I'm going with the Gator. All right. Oh God, that's right. <laughs> um. Anyway, let's move on here. So I want to I want to get to you know you're in your draft right and you you're getting prepared for it you know what what do you bring to your draft you know what do you have ready for you i i think most of us at least have a set of rankings you know at least readily available to look at during our drafts um do you a use them and if you do like are they kind of like used almost like a bible like well, I mean, this guy says, I got, you know, he's number 10. This guy's number 11. I got to go with number 10, you know, or are there guys? And I think we kind of got into this, right? It is, you know, are there guys that you kind of pass on fade, you know, or reach for, for various reasons, despite what your rankings say? I think Mike Tyson said it best. Everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And that's no different than going into your <laughs> yeah. draft. I mean, the second you think you've got it figured out, guess again. I mean, you don't know nothing at this point. We've all been there. Like, I, I just literally did a draft where I was like, hell-bent on going running back, running back. So I set up my queue, and the draft kind of went. I wasn't really paying attention. One was online, one's two-hour clock, yada, yada, yada. So a player kind of fell to the second round, but they weren't in my queue because I didn't think it, they were going to fall there at all. Like, So I didn't even put them in my queue. I expected them to go a whole lot earlier. So I actually selected Alvin Kamara over Stefan Diggs in the second round, thinking Diggs is already going to be gone. So now my rest of my draft is completely ruined. I'm already I'm like already going through the seven stages of grief, and we're only in like round number oh, six no. in that. So it, it's going to affect me the rest of the draft. But when I go into a draft, you got to be fluid. I mean, Bruce Lee yes. said, move like water. I mean, that is what you have to do when it comes to your draft. I've got my rankings. I'm auction draft. i got a separate set of rankings for those. But if we're talking just a regular half point or full point PPR, super flex, Whatever it is, I come up with my own custom rankings. There's websites out there right now that allow you to punch in your leagues, 
uh, scoring system and kind of spit out something for you. And that's, that's great. But at the end of the day, I still like to go with my gut. And if I go with my roster construction, I'm seeing how that's going. I'll probably start off going best player available for the first couple rounds. And then it'll probably be more positional based on what my roster construction looks like. Mm-hmm. And then by the time we get to round six, seven, eight, it'll probably go into more of a tiering thing. Cause you know, those wide receivers, the running back dead zone, we've heard about this running back yes. dead zone. When you yeah. hit there, it is basically one giant tier of running backs. You can rank them any way you want, but it doesn't matter because they're all the same person. It, that's we just talked about Josh Jacobs, Pierce, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, same guy, basically the same guy that will give you the same production at the end of the day. So Pick your poison. So, I mean, it's a variation of all three different things. And if you're like me in the King's Classic, you're sitting there, you're trying to decipher codes between Waz and Joe to see who's going to be available for your next pick. One, two, three, or four. I mean, you're going numeric value. Who do you you like? One, two, three, or four. Well, just tell me who you like, okay? It makes it a lot easier than you trying to figure it out. We we had no real code. You know what Rob and I were saying? Oh, we're so tired, man. How how much for longer is this gonna last? We we get back to the hotel. Uh, you you cool with this guy? Yeah, we good. All right, let's click. That's all we were saying. <laughs> uh, no, it was uh that was definitely all made up on the spot. I literally had no plan on being in that draft until midnight the night before. It was fun. I, I appreciated it. It was actually a lot of fun. And, and look, I got to meet guys like you. So that was that was a, a great perk of being in there. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I'm with you, though, man. Like, you know, I I don't use the rankings, you know, as like the guide, uh, especially my overall. I almost don't even use my overall rankings 90 percent of the time. Um, you know, if. I know, especially, you know, in, in the early rounds, maybe overall is used a little more, like you said. And then in the in the middle rounds, you know, you, you're trying to build that balance, you know, like, OK, I'm a little heavy running back. I need to kind of focus on receiver unless somebody like completely falls that shouldn't have. Maybe I pivot and just go, OK, I'll figure out the rest of my series later. And this running back shouldn't have fallen. I'll just do that now. Um, but I basically use my positional rankings more. But there are plenty of guys like we were kind of talking before. It's like, you know, I rank them a certain way because, you know, they're going to finish that way. But it, when it all said and done, but, you know, it's are they going to be consistent? Are they, you know, to boom and bust? And, and so I don't really feel like dealing with that headache. And, um, and, and so I just there's guys that I tend to lean toward more, you know, if yeah. if it's like a flip of the coin. You know, between like two or three guys, you know, maybe I'll take number two instead of number one, you know, this week. You know, I'm also in like 20 drafts. So it's also like, hey, last week I took Keenan Allen. This week I'll take T. Higgins. Who knows? Like it's that is that kind of thing. So it's just I try to differentiate my drafts a little bit. So I'm not just throwing all my eggs in one basket. Um, So um, that. But for for the most part, like when it comes to like the everyday fantasy player, I feel like the mistake that gets made is, but your ranking said this. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I they did. But <laughs> in draft rankings are, you know, they're tough. They really are because they're not a how I would draft rankings. They are a here's how they're going to finish at the end of the season. And I think a lot of people lose that. Like my weekly rankings, they're different. 
That is literally who I will start and sit every week. That is the order because that's the points they're going to get for that specific week. Um, <laughs> and so that, that's, that's, that's what you, what people need to remember with these draft rankings. Also, like you got to tier them at least a little bit. Like you said, man, that that's, that is key. Um, especially grouping like receivers at some point, regrouping running backs at some point, you know, you can go, okay, so, there's still six more running backs left in this tier that are all kind of the same. I can go get a receiver, the last one in the tier left, and then it can come back and I can still get one of these running backs. That's what you got to do. Um, but it's just, that's a, that's a process that I don't think is used by a lot of people, but it really should be. Um, so and at the yeah. end of the day, get your guys. There's, there's nothing. Yeah, worse. that too. Yeah, I'm not afraid when I go into a draft, I'm not afraid to reach for a guy. For example, everyone knows how much I love Darnell Mooney. I mean, if he asked me to carry his jockstrap, I'd probably grab that and walk it to him for practice from every single day. That's where I am with Darnell Mooney. So if we're sitting there in the fourth round and I'm on the back end of the uh, start of the fourth round, it's going to be a while before the fifth round comes to me. Maybe I can get him in the fifth. Maybe. But do you really want to risk? And we've all been there. This has happened to every single one of us. We're like, you know what? Yeah, his ADP has him around later. You know what? I could probably wait for him just to have him taken two spots before you pick again. So I got with certain players, I got no problem reaching Mm -hmm. earlier than their ADP as long as I believe in them. And I think that's where that tiering kind of comes in. Sure, they might be number 19 in your rankings, but they're in that same tier, 10 to 19. I got no problem taking that leap of faith on a guy like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, we we touched on tiering obviously um but yeah if you want to look at that and and use it that's that's i've started trying to do that a lot more with my drafts so definitely uh been helpful so far um joe you got anything else you want to yeah, add so just a couple quick things you know just to just to wrap up this like strategy and, and process questions here that we had um so the last couple things i had was do so I, I think you sort of mentioned it but like do you use positional rankings or your overall more probably i probably more positional when it's all said and done yeah. compared to my overall yeah me too and then i mentioned tiers uh do and and you did too like you you 100% tier your rankings before your draft uh right before more towards the later rounds like the first 20 guys I pretty much have set. Like these are my top 20 receivers. Then it becomes more of a tier tiering after that. But for the most part, it's okay. Here we go. I, I find when, when, it's, when it's all said and done, I'm happiest with a balanced roster. So that's why it's more positional ranks for me. And that, that's great. That works for me. That's how I like it. How my roster construction feels the best after the draft. If I go, okay, wide receiver, running back, wide receiver, running back, wide receiver, running back, whatever it looks like, as long as it has that nice balance, I'm typically more happy with how that turned out than if I go heavy on one side rather than the other. Yeah, I I, I agree. Um, So uh, I think, so the rest of the show, what we're going to do is we're going to get into some guys that you like more and you like less. Um, I might add a couple more myself. If if we've got the time, we'll see how that goes. But AJ is going to lead this segment and have that, man. Get to a, to hear my sultry voice (laughs) all right so 
playlist. We'll break it out here. In the background. What's going yeah. on here? <laughs> some, uh, some, I don't know, uh, afternoon delight or something going on. Um, all right, no. So let's just start. This is already off the rails. Thanks. What just happened? Um, I'm sorry, Matt. <laughs> let's just start with uh, the guys you like more. Um, and we'll just go in order of position here. So quarterbacks, um, who are some of the quarterbacks you like more than their their current ranking? Well, skyrockets in flight. I'm all in on Derek Carr. I mean, I think Derek Carr is a QB9 right now in my rankings. That's six spots ahead of where the consensus has him right now. And it's all about what he did last year. Look, we're looking at a guy who was fifth in passing yards, just over 4,800. Fifth in completion percentage, 68%. He was letting it go deeper than ever before. He was, uh, I think, second in passes greater than 20. Fifth in passes greater than 40. The problem was he couldn't get the ball in the end zone. How do you rectify that? You get a guy who scored like 73 touchdowns since coming into the NFL, who happened to be your big-time target in college, the guy you work out with almost every summer, every spring, and that's Devontae Adams. So the last time Derek Carr had receivers like he has now, you have to go back to Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper when they both posted 1,000 yards, and Derek Carr had that Raiders team heading to the playoffs before he broke his leg. He was getting MVP consideration that season. So I'm not going to say he's going to be an MVP considered, but I would not be surprised if I have him at QB5 and he outperformed, or QB9, and he outperforms that, where he could find himself in the top five in uh, leagues this year. I mean, I think he's got that kind of ceiling where he can finish top five based on Waller, Renfro, and Adams. They can stay healthy. This Raiders offense is pretty darn good. Yeah. I definitely yeah, like it is. I, I don't have him six higher. I've got him, I guess, if I'm doing the math right now, um, five, four, uh, three higher. So I do like him, but not quite, not quite that much. Uh, I still have a little trepidation with, with Carr and, of course, with, with Waller. Um, we're not really sure what's going on there with him. I know he got that contract, but you know, he's been banged up and I don't know. Maybe that was, he was, he was hurt because he didn't want to play because he didn't have a contract. So who knows? But um, I just possibly. if I'm a guy that's sitting back on quarterback and I'm waiting and waiting and waiting, Carr's my target. I mean, you're going to get him in round nine, ten, eleven, possibly double digit rounds in one QB leagues. Who's going to give you just as good a production as some of these other guys that we're talking about going in rounds four and five? So. For me, I'm, Carr's a guy I get a little bit later that I can build my roster off in front of him and feel pretty darn good about it. Yeah, no, he he's definitely been, you know, one of those back-end targets. Him and, like, Cousins, the kind of right there. Uh, both guys that I, I think a lot of people like this year. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think Cousins is a little more interesting just because of new <laughs> offense and whatnot. So that hilarious. <laughs> totally like, does, like I have a what? You know, I'm so glad bottle, Bob said something. The bottle really cool. right behind her head makes it look uh, like you have a mohawk. That's hilarious. I, I'm glad Bob said something. I never even noticed that. The whole time. That is great. That's that's a Mr. Pappy Van Winkle. <laughs> <laughs> one in a lottery. Uh, I'm, I'm cool. assuming that's the one you meant, Bob. <laughs> yes, that I think that is the one that's kind of right behind you. That, that's yeah, phenomenal. That's, um <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so we're actually getting asked like, what round for Carr. Ralph is asking this. So, like, you know, if I think you can wait 
right? I mean, that's the thing. You can wait in a lot of these drafts, you know, except for Superflex League, things like that. That's a different story. We're just talking like normal one quarterback. Um, I think to me, you can get him in like 12, 13. Like he's going way past – He's going way past that, like, you know, top 12 quarterbacks. You know, people take their first quarterback and then they just don't. Like, so you can I just... think he comes down to QB chicken, is what I like to call it when it comes to I know, yeah. Everyone's, everyone gets those first quarterbacks out of the way. The second that someone grabs a second quarterback, that's when you need to get Derek Carr. So, yeah. no matter what your draft Damn. looks like, as soon as someone grabs that second quarterback, it's time to get a Derek Carr. It's time to get a Kirk Cousins. Because these are guys I feel comfortable with as QB1s in my league. The Cousins, the Derek Cars. I mean, I think they're right there with the Aaron Rodgers this year, the Russell Wilson. So, I think the best part about that, too, especially in a one-quarterback league, is when people jump the gun on their first quarterback and then they'll, they'll double down on, like, another quarterback that's Two, you know, not even a tier behind them, but maybe like two or three spots behind them in the rankings. It's like, okay, which one are you going to use each week? Now, now you've just screwed yourself into like stressful situations on trying to figure out who you're going to start, and you've left me with a Derek Carr or a Kirk Cousins. So, thanks. And then just quickly, uh, another guy I like in those two QB leagues is Davis Mills, a guy I yeah. got considerably higher, plus <laughs> yes. seven spots, QB twenty one right now. I'm not going to grab him as my QB1 in any league, but if I'm going to super flex, he is definitely a QB2 target. You look at him, 66.8% completion percentage last season, the second highest of any rookie. If you take away the two games that he came in as cleanup, that number actually jumps to 68%, which would have been higher than Dak Prescott's rookie season. So, like I said, not all stats are created equal. Over almost 2,700 yards passing, 16 touchdowns as a rookie. We know that game script is going to be negative for the Texans more often than not, which means he's going to pass. We already talked about Brandon Cooks a little bit. We're going to talk about him again a little bit later, as well as some of these other passing options in this Texans offense. Yeah. I'll tell you, one guy, you know, I, I know a lot of people like him, but I also know a lot of people that just hate him. The guy that uh, I'm higher on than most uh, is Trey Lance. I'm buying in on this, despite Jimmy G. Like, the Jimmy G thing kind of put a damper on it a little bit, but I don't know. I still, I'm still, i still, I'm still all in, man. I, uh, it, I, he is like the last of the rushing quarterbacks, right? And I mean, we we've seen this before from rushing quarterbacks that have throwing issues, right? Let's think back at 2019 with Josh Allen. Anybody want to guess what Josh Allen finished in QB that year, despite throwing for 58.8% completion percentage? Eight. Matt, do you know? No, but I'm going to say probably six. It was six. So, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, you guys guess high because it would have been a really bad stat yeah. had it not been high. Yeah, you're Actually, it was 16. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, but that, that's the thing. Like, we all expect Trey Lance to finish and you know, to rush all these phenomenal, like, rushing yards, right? And, you know, this, we know this team is going to run. Trey Lance is, is, is going to be a big part of that. Quarterbacks also for the last like three or four seasons, anybody who's rushed for over like 110 times as a quarterback has finished inside the top 10 outside of like a, I think it was 2020 Cam Newton. The dude had like a, a wet noodle for an arm at that point that season. Like it was just bad. That yeah, was when he played Patriot. for New England. Huh? I was just going to say that's when he played with the Patriots. Yeah, that was yeah. a bad season. But I mean, that's like the outlier, right? Everybody else 
who runs that often finishes inside the top 10. So I have him at at eight right now. I could easily go higher if I wanted to and not feel bad about it at all. And like a has, in my opinion, top five potential, but I think his floor is top 10. I mean, if he runs as much as we think he is, I don't see any way he doesn't finish inside the top 10. So he's, I know people that have him outside the top 12 and I don't really get it. Yeah, so. I do. I mean, defenses are a lot smarter than he, I mean, he's literally throwing, I think it's 371 passes in college, maybe 71 passes in the pros. I mean, he hasn't even thrown 450 passes since high school. Defenses are a little bit more complex. I mean, if I'm a defense right now, I'm sitting there and I'm making him beat me with his arm and seeing what those accuracy things are. And I'm going to sit there and have a guy spying him the whole time where he can't get out of the pocket and see if he can adjust. Once he proves that he can beat me with his arm, then I might have to adjust how I run him defensively. But, I mean, we haven't seen him yet. I mean, all the talent's there. The legs are there. The arm talent is absolutely through the the charts here. But for me, he is so polarizing because I could see him, like you said, I could see him easily being a top-eight quarterback. And I could also see him being a 15-16 quarterback there. It's such a wide range of outcomes for him. Yeah, I mean, his starts last year, I mean, 20, 15, and 20. Like, those are the point totals. Um, he does that for a full season. He's he's crushing it for, for everybody. And I think, I think you know, we're going to see point totals of way north of 20 a couple weeks at least. So I, I like him a little bit more. But uh, AJ, let's move right. on, man. So let's move in into the running backs here. Um, Again, this is the guys that you like more than current e- ECR. So I'll try and make this a little bit quicker here than the last round. We already talked about Damian Pierce. I got him as RB24. That's six spots higher than the consensus. Uh, Joe Mixon, I got him three spots higher. He's my overall RB3. I absolutely love him, especially with what the Cincinnati Bengals did with that offensive line. I don't think you can underestimate that. Joe Burrow sacked 51 times last season. He ain't getting sacked 50 times. This year, that means more plays on offense. That means offense is staying on the field longer, which means more opportunities. So I like it for him. Um, Javante Williams is a guy I got a lot higher there. I got him as my RB9. That's five spots up compared to the consensus there. He carried the ball 203 times, 900-plus yards, added 316 yards. That's 1,200 yards of offense from a guy going 50-50 with Melvin Gordon. I expect that number to be probably closer to 65-35 here this season. Melvin Gordon's 29 going to his free agency year again. But the guy I want to talk about here is probably another one of those polarizing players right now, especially for everything that we're looking at. And that's Elijah Mitchell, who I got as my RB17, five spots higher. Listen, he had 1,100 all-purpose yards last season there. He had just missed out on 1,000 yards rushing in 12 games. If he can stay healthy, and this is the key, because you can't project these injuries and how it goes. He's already dealing with soft tissue injuries. We know a soft tissue is going to creep up again somewhere in the season. They always happen to do it. He dealt with it a little bit. He's back at practice now. But you're looking at a guy right now on a team that ran the ball 30-plus times per game. If San Francisco does what I think they're going to do in the Kyle Shanahan-type offense where they run more of a run uh, zone scheme there with some RPO action, teams are going to be focusing more on Trey Lance and what he can do, which is going to open up more holes for Elijah Mitchell in his running game. And the reason I like Elijah Mitchell as much as I like him right here is, again, RB17. You're getting him probably in round number six. So he's going to be your RB2 at worst. 
If you go anchor running back and go like five, four wide receivers there, he's a pretty good running back to have after all that's said and done. So yeah. for me, I'm a little bit higher there just because of where I feel I can get him and I think he can outperform that ADP. Definitely yeah, like no, I, uh, I I like Mitchell more, not not quite as much as you, but I do like him a little more. Um, the the one guy that kind of stands out for me in my rankings, I know that I'm looking at like the the comparison with the ECR is, that I guess I like Cam Akers more, and I, and I get all the hesitation with with him, and I know he's been dealing with soft tissue injuries also, but um, like I mean, this, this is a guy that you know he he's gonna get. We saw him come back last year right and the amount of work that they gave this guy in the season that he actually tore the achilles is uh it was just mind-blowing and yes the results were not quite there but the fact that he was able to do that is just i mean i was shocked i you know i thought you know okay cool this guy's gonna see like five touches a game 10 max they were running him down their throats, like down the defense's throats for no reason, really, because <laughs> uh, it just wasn't working. But, um, you know, I mean, we all know Daryl Henderson is going to be a factor when he's actually healthy, too. Uh, so, yeah, there will be a bit of a timeshare. But I've got him ranked five spots higher in my RB15 right now in half PPR. I think there's just enough there. This offense is going to be, you know, good. And you also got to wonder, right, Matt Stafford's dealing with that elbow. Maybe they lean a little more on the running game this year than they did last year when they really didn't have a running game because both Henderson and Akers were hurt at times. And then they brought in Michelle and he he sort of fizzled out after a few games. And um, so I kind of wonder, like, if they're going to lean on Akers and Henderson just a little bit more and that just. I mean, just volume, right? I mean, that's the that's the name of the game with running backs sometimes is just volume. So Akers, well, I think, can get it. I'm going to need to see him get more than 3.3 yards per carry. I mean, yeah, that, yards per carry only adds up to 66 yards per game, which is definitely not going to give you a top 15 production. I mean, the Achilles, we'll see. I mean, it, there's a lot of risk. I mean, I don't know if the risk for me outweighs the reward for drafting. Maybe if I get him as my RB3, I feel a little bit better in that situation. Yeah, I mean, he had – I mean, look, his rookie year was 4.3. So, I think – obviously, I think it's there. Um, it's just, you know, look, I, I am I am somebody who has actually torn his Achilles. Granted, I'm not a professional football player, professional athlete. I don't have the, you know, the the PT that these guys can get and, and the care that they can get to kind of rehab from this kind of an injury. But there was – no chance. I was running like he was, and especially cutting like he was in the amount of time that he that he did it in. No chance. I was like barely walking in that amount of time. <laughs> it's just but will he insane. ever run and cut the way he used to? That's yeah, I mean, we'll see. I I, I think no doctor. I think he's young enough that he can. I mean, I you know at this point, you know, I, granted, I'm, I'm a long ways away from doing it. But I've, I'm able to do just about everything I did before if the rest of my body would let me at this point. But <laughs> I'm too old now, so <laughs> it yeah. is what it is. So Age is not on your side. No, Tom definitely Brady. not. No, he's 23. I'm, I'm 40. So, no, we're not going to compare compare that at all. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's move into the uh, wide receivers here. We've already touched on a few of these guys here. Um, but take it away, Matt. Let's uh, Let's hear hear who you want to talk about 
So I'll do rapid fire as quickly as I can, and that's not yep. very fast. But Brandon Cooks, wide receiver, 16 currently. That's four spots up on the consensus. Darnell Mooney, wake up, people. I don't know how much more I have to say this. I got him as my wide receiver, 17. I feel that's still too low. I told you I feel that he could be a top 12. That's seven spots up on the consensus, but 16 up on the ADP right now. That's where Darnell Mooney's going. 16 spots below wide receiver, 17. I don't know what the math is, but that's like 32. I mean, I'm just spitfiring here. Wide receiver 32 ADP, way too low. That number needs to come way more up there. Uh, I'll give you a couple more. Christian Kirk, wide receiver 24 for me. That's 15 spots up on the consensus. Look, Trevor Lawrence targeted Kirk eight times on 21 attempts in week two of the preseason. I don't think I need to say anymore. This guy's going to be a target hog for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Targets, opportunities lead to production. Enough said. Uh, Next up for me, I will... Give a couple deep ones. I know there was a question here earlier about deep targets. One for me is Jahan Dotson of the Commanders. Mm-hmm. Currently, I have him as my wide receiver 45. I think consensus has him at wide receiver 60. He's a guy I've been targeting late here. There's no competition opposite of Terry McLaren, right? We know there's no one else. Curtis Samuel, forget about it. He's probably already hurt. He probably sneezed. He's probably <laughs> out for two weeks. I don't know. He sneezed too hard, yeah. Show. All the time. If Deontay Johnson had hands, he'd be Jahan Dotson. That's exactly what he would be. That's how good Dotson is. Remember, everyone's hyping up Terry McLaren. The draft capital actually goes to Jahan Dotson, first-round selection, compared to the $71 million man. So that means the commanders have more faith in Jahan Dotson than they had in Terry McLaren a few years back. I mean, they might have liked him, but we're talking about a first-round selection here. So draft capital plus opportunity plus talent is going to equal production. And then the last guy I want to talk about, another guy I'm higher on than both the ADP and the consensus, is Jacoby Myers. Wide receiver 40 is where I got him. That's 11 spots up on the consensus. That's 29 spots higher than his ADP currently allows. You're talking about a guy who led his team in targets, in receptions, in yards last season. You're talking about half-point PPR. He had 126 targets, 83 receptions. 83 receptions, that equates to already 40 points guaranteed. Devontae Parker is nothing. We know what Devontae Parker is. Tyquan Thornton, he's on the IR right now. He just got put on the IR today. So now we're back to Kendrick Bourne, who's going to be, you know, he's going to get some of his yards. He's going to get his production here. But for me, Jacoby Myers, he was Mac Jones' target here in the preseason, in training camp. You look at the uh, one-on-ones, 11 versus 11, whatever they were doing in camp. He led all Patriots receivers in targets from McCorkle Jones. So that's telling me right now, Jones loves himself some Myers. It doesn't matter what else is out there. Devontae Parker's probably still going to get those targets in the end zone. But if I'm talking, two touchdowns is what Myers had last season. That's why we knock him because he only had two touchdowns. He's going to have more than two touchdowns this season. So for me, if I'm looking late in drafts, like I said, ADP has him as wide receiver 69. There are not 68 receivers better than Jacoby Myers. No. I love Myers. Is what do you say it was? His ECR is wide receiver fifty-one. Okay, yeah, I've got. I mean, I've got him. I've got him at fifty. So I don't know. It's just that passing (laughs) offense just suppresses value for people. I I get the targets are there, but I mean, you want to say the touchdowns? I mean, two was a career high for him (laughs) in three seasons. It's, um, yeah, I mean, I, I know the, re- the regression is probably pointing up for that still. The guy that I seem to have higher than everybody else is um, I'm buying it on, on Michael Gallup. I know he's probably out week one, but I mean, 
sure, throw them in your IR. Um, but we're talking about the number two on the Dallas Cowboys offense. And we've seen it in the past before. He he can perform very well. I I don't understand why his ECR is as low as it is. I've got him 12 spots higher at 44. I'm I'm gonna buy into that. I know people are just people are people are afraid because of the injury designation right now. And I'm just the like ACL, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll wait a week, like or even two, and just I'll 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 reap the benefits. You know, I was talking to like Edwin, our guy over at Fantasy Points, our medical kind of guy. We're looking at about a nine month recovery before a player's kind of back to where they were close to being prior to their injury. Remember, Gallup and even Chris Godwin for that matter, they were late ACL injuries. It wasn't Something like Cam Akers, where he suffered his Achilles start of the season, like before camp even kind of got kicked away. These are late, like January. So take nine months from January, and that's what I think you could expect Michael Gallup to kind of fire up. So October, I think you're going to get Gallup back to where he normally was. So can he make up enough ground from October to January to kind of move up the rankings there? Once he's back in your lineup, I think his, his points per game is going to actually yeah. look pretty darn good. But like you said, when we look at the rankings here, I think losing that month is probably going to hurt him more than help him. He might be on the field, but being on the field, I mean, how many times do we just wish, you know what? Your guys hurt. Just keep them all. Just keep them all. Yeah, that's we true. Worry that's about true. starting them, right? That's true. One other guy real quick. And, and I think a lot of people like him. I, I like Allen Robinson more. I've got him five spots higher. I'm just, I'm buying back into Allen Robinson despite all the heartache last year. Uh, just a phenomenal opportunity for him in LA. And it is the best quarterback by far he's had. So, um, go after some Allen Robinson, everybody. Oh yeah. So, all right. Uh, tight ends. Finish it up with the catcher of football. Well, I'll make this do all the same things I've done the last couple. One, Cole Komet. Absolutely love him. I mean, eighth in yeah, route, you uh, had a lot eighth of people. rank in route participation. You got that seven seventeen uh, percent target share last year. The touchdowns weren't there. I mean, literally, the holy trinity of tight ends of Jimmy Graham, Jesper Horstead, and the outlaw Jesse James combined for six touchdowns, and Cole Komet had zero. That is not happening again. <laughs> yeah, I promise agreed. you that. There's uh, only agreed. two shows in Chicago. Uh, second, Dawson Knox. I got him as tight end six, even ahead of Darren Waller. That's four spots higher than the consensus. I mean, red zone targets, those matter. When they got into the red zone, he had about a 15% target share, hauling in 11 passes and a 61% catch rate. I mean, I like that for a tight end. Jonu Smith is a guy who I think is sneaky this season. I got him as my tight end 24. That's four spots higher. Listen, Jonu Smith had some stuff going on, on off the field last season, going into the Patriots camp, new, learning a new offense. That all kind of set him back there last season. He's there now. He's been there all camp. I think things are going to be a lot more positive for him. I think he's going to live up to that contract a little bit better. But I got to talk about my guy. I talk about how much I love this Houston Texans offense. And it's probably not a good thing to be in love with a team this bad, right? It really isn't. But, hey, bad teams gotta throw a lot. good fantasy production. It really adds up to that when it's all said and yeah. done. Through the preseason, I think it was Dwayne McFarland that kind of pointed this out here. 80% route participation. And when you have that, that typically translates into top 12 tight end seasons historically. We saw what Brevin Jordan did towards the end of last season. I did a video on him back in like January, maybe late December. He's one of my dynasty mustache type players there. He went off on a pretty good uh, streak there. He's got a good rapport built with Davis Mills. When Davis Mills targets... Brevin Jordan, it's one of the highest completion rates between tight ends and quarterbacks. So 
this is a combination you want to keep an eye on, and you're getting him late. I mean, yeah, I have that tight end 15, yeah. and that that is high. I'm telling you right now, tight end 15 is high for Brevin Jordan. That's 11 spots higher than where the consensus have him. That's tight end 26. The consensus has Brevin Jordan at tight end 26. I like this guy. I mean, he's literally the number two wide receiver in Houston. You can you can make a case for Nico Collins all you want, but Brevin Jordan, and I'm not worried about OJ Howard coming. Forget about OJ Howard. OJ Howard couldn't even beat old Tommy Sweeney in Buffalo. He ain't touching anything that Brevin Jordan's got in Houston. Yeah. I was just going to ask you about OJ Howard, so I'm glad you said it. But uh, I don't know. Tight end for me, I seem to be, at least as far as the the guys that we probably care about, I'm pretty – seems like I'm pretty status quo. I mean, I guess I'm a, a slightly higher on Schultz. I've actually got him ahead of guys like Kittle and even Waller. Uh, just Those guys are just a little too – I mean – I hate to use the word, but they are injury prone at this point. So it's like, I just want the guy who's going to stay on the field. And like, especially when Gallup is who I just mentioned. I like, you know, if he misses, you know, the first couple of weeks and when he comes back as a shell of himself, which I, I, I do agree with you um, on that. Charles is just going to reap the benefits. And, you know, last year, you know, he was doing it as the de facto number three target. He'll still be the number three target. So why can't it, you know, be the number two target for a few weeks at least. So I think, I think that's a a good play there. Um, all right, let's move into guys that we like less. All right, quarterbacks. Who's the guy you like less? <laughs> it, it it always feels I like to be early than too late, and I feel like now is the time that Tom Brady falls apart. It's got to be now, right? We've been saying <laughs> this for five years. Now has to be the time, and you know, as soon as that comes out of my mouth, I'm going to need like a podiatrist. To pull the foot back out of my mouth. But I picture this. When Tom Brady came back from the mask Singer or the Bahamas or facial reconstruction surgery, whatever he had going on. Down, I mean, if you see his press conference, his face, yeah. was, it, it ain't the same. Something went down there. You're like, there's something that happened with his face. Maybe he got a little too heavy on the Botox. I don't know. But what I do know is when he <laughs> walked back into that room, into that offensive lineman room, he looked like Will Smith, you know, looking around, looking around. All his linemen were gone. Every single one of them that were once there, yeah, fresh friends about there. <laughs> some kind of left already on their own feeling there. Alex Kappa, I think it, he went to Cincinnati. I mean, but Ryan Jensen, he's hurt. Ellie Moppin, he retired. I mean, Aaron Steeny, he's out for the season of the tear. Tristan Wirfs, he was injured as well, so he's gonna be doubt, battling an injury pretty much all season long. I mean, this line group is hurt. And as for a player like Brady, who doesn't have the ability to get out of the pocket, to I mean, move. he's got a quick, re- he's got a quick release. <laughs> let's, let's give him what he is. He can play with anything. I mean, even when he came back in that preseason game, he looked pretty good. But I mean, teams are only giving you fifty percent of what they got, regardless. So, right, yeah. he's a guy I'm staying with. That said, he's still my QB thirteen. That just means he's five spots lower than where the consensus has him. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, uh, it's still not a bad spot for him. Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was. I don't know. Okay. It's like he was trying to do like the Casey face. He was like, it was weird, man. Um, 
that yeah, that was that was bizarre. Yeah, I, I'm not as high on on Brady so as others. I'm kind of right there with you on that one. Um, and really, it's just because I put Lance above a few of these guys that only you know people are only dropping like one or two spots for me. So nobody nobody really like crazy jumping out for me as guys I like less. It is just what it is. I just have Lance a little higher than some, so it is what it is. Move it on. Yes. All right. So uh, running back. Well, running backs, I'm looking at the law of averages here. That's why I'm six spots lower than J- on James Conner than most people. He's my RB21 right now. The law of averages says that he stayed healthy last season. Therefore, he's not going to stay healthy this season. <laughs> that is who James Conner has historically been. I don't think he's going to be that guy. I think that you're going to see that this Arizona Cardinals team is going to throw the ball a lot more. Uh, you got Zach Ertz, you got uh, Hollywood Brown, and you got AJ Green to start the season. And then when Hopkins comes back, I mean, it's going to up their passing game that much more. Now, James Conner, he was efficient within the five yards and in kind of thing. He could still get those. But at the end of the day, Kyler Murray is still going to rush for some touchdowns. I think they're going to be a more of a commitment to this passing game because of how the weapons that they have all around. And I think that's going to affect James Conner, who I do expect to miss some time. I know we can't predict injuries. But when I'm looking at my rankings, I have a hard time believing he's going to stay healthy this season. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, not only that, but I mean, his touchdown regression, right? I mean, this is, that's not going to, this is, I can't, you can't imagine that happening again with him. So I'm with you on that one. Uh, The yardage wasn't there. It wasn't like he put up a thousand yards rushing. It was all those touchdowns that helped him out. I mean, yeah, he had that, I mean, he had that like, what five six game stretch i forget exactly what it was where he just went bonkers <laughs> it's just like he was the only guy left so uh i mean it's kind of in that same same situation now right where he's kind of the only guy so that's what people point to <laughs> and so you gotta like him a little bit there but uh <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, so for me, like not gigantic movement, but I'm a little lower on Leonard Fournette for a lot of the reasons you kind of said too with that offensive line. I do worry about it. Um, you know, you also got to worry that he's not going to be able to, or not even be given the opportunity to catch as many passes. They did bring in Rashad White, so I think that's kind of what they wanted him for. Um, like Fournette can do it, but he's not great at it by any means um but for net i mean just i mean had an amazing season don't get me wrong but um you know top 10 rb is a little high for me uh i'm not i'm not buying into that so i've got him a little lower than that it's always funny because the quarterback often gets too much credit when the team does good and too much blame when they do bad but we never talk about the offensive line when it pertains to these other players like you mentioned leonard Fournette. He is going to be affected just as much as Tom Brady is by this offensive line. In fact, the only one who may benefit is if they decide to give the keys to the car here to Rashad White in the passing game out of the backfield. So, I mean, Leonard Fournette, we know he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He was in both those third and long situations there in the preseason with Brady. But at the end of the day, I mean, this offensive line could hinder the ceiling on both these players. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Offensive line is something that gets, uh, you know, I think the, you know, People like us, you know, we we kind of talk about that in our, you know, all the time. But I think just your your average fantasy football player, it's not something they think about, but it really needs to be. Offensive line matters a lot. This is why, you know, we talk about with Trevor Lawrence, right? It's like everybody likes Trevor Lawrence's talent, but 
he's gonna be like hike oh crap like, <laughs> like yeah. there's just nothing there so uh it's he's it, gonna want to wear the jaguars black uniforms every so. week so all right uh wide receivers so i'll start off here with uh dk metcalf i got him as my wide receiver 31 that's nine spots lower than the consensus look I know incompetence is not technically an injury, but that's what's happening at the quarterback position here right now. I mean, that is what we are dealing with here, and I can't trust it. I won't trust it. Will he have some big weeks? Absolutely. He had some pretty good weeks there with Geno Smith, but Geno Smith, I'm not even sure he's going to be the quarterback for week four. It could go back to Drew Locke, and then we could go back to Geno Smith. We don't know how that's going to look like, so I'm avoiding the situation at all costs. But the guy I want to talk to, because I like to choose violence every now and then, is Juju Smith-Schuster. And I feel I've got him too high right now at wide receiver 36, which is five spots lower than where the consensus has him. Listen, I think we're all high on the whole Patrick Mahomes butterfly effect type thing here right now, that he's going to be the guy. There's 300 vacated targets in Kansas City. Yeah, except Juju Smith-Schuster, we watched his yards after the catch per reception. It fell. You look at PFF, it's one of those numbers that they had out there. Is he good at TikTok? Him and Jackson Mahomes are going to be making TikTok videos all season long. I'm not sure where he's going to be. But my biggest fear is he starts TikToking and then his knee goes out because that's basically being held together by Hubba Bubba at this point. And guess what? Here's a shocker. Water is wet and Juju's knees bugging him again here in the preseason. So I know he's getting pushed up a lot of people's draft boards. Even Matthew Berry absolutely loves him this season. I mean, I can see why people with those 300 vacated targets, they have to go somewhere. McCole Hardman, we know what he is. I mean, he's not a whole heck of a lot. Marquez Valdez-Scanling is what he is. He's never been anything in Green Bay, and that was with Aaron Rodgers, so I can't see that changing a whole lot. Sky Moore, I don't know if he's quite ready yet to take the throne. I love Sky Moore, by the way. I'm just not sure he's ready there in year number one. Travis Kelsey is still going to do his thing. There's no way you can convince me that Juju Smith-Schuster is going to do what Tyreek Hill did last season. And for me, I think this is going to be a committee approach. And that's why I've got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire a little bit higher than most people because I think he's going to take a lot of those passes. And like I said, my concern is I just don't see – everyone talks about, well, the the yards per route run, the yards after the catch, that all went down because of Ben Roethlisberger being noodle arm himself. Well, (laughs) Deontay Johnson had no problem with that, right? I mean, it didn't really affect Deontay Johnson. So why should it affect Juju? So I'm just more concerned. Like I said, I got more questions than answers. I'll rather let someone else take that risk on Smith Schuster than I would. Yeah, I I personally like the the landing spot for for Juju. I really do, um, and I do actually have him ranked higher than the consensus. Um, We're talking I, about guys you don't like, right? But I just haven't <laughs> been able to pull the trigger on him. Um, there's always somebody who likes him a lot more than me in a draft. So it's just kind of like, all right, fine, whatever. Uh, yeah. But anyway, so a guy, though, that I don't like as much um, as I scroll down again, Jerry Judy. Um, I know everybody wants to look at, you know, Russell Wilson coming in and thinking, oh, Judy's you know he's going to save the day uh, for, for Judy and his value. I mean, he dealt with a groin injury all offseason. He um, wasn't able to work with Russ, and we haven't heard a whole lot of anything as far as Judy and, and Russell working together. But what we have heard is him and Sutton, right? And so, like, that connection is there. Um, working with a new quarterback for the first time, you need reps, right, to get on the same page, same timing, that kind of thing. Judy hasn't had it yet. And will it come? Maybe. 
but he's, I think, just now starting to practice as of like a couple days ago is what I can tell. So it, I'm just, I'm just sort of off of it. And um, I don't know. I just, yeah, he, he just seems to get injured and a lot too. So I, yeah, I, I just, I just have him ranked a little bit lower. One other guy real quick here is, um, oh, where did he go? Um, uh, Drafted. Yeah. I for, it, it, well, it, let's it, just touch base on Jerry Judy while you're it looking was for that. Smith. Sorry. That was one. Okay. Uh, Sorry. I was anyway. to fill in. I mean, while Jerry Judy was missing time, KJ Hamler was out there working with yeah. Russell Wilson. I don't think we can forget about that. No one's talking about KJ Hamler. He's a guy I think could get a lot of those touches that many people are expecting uh, Jerry Judy to be getting. Well, the other thing with Hamler, too, is that Tim Patrick is out. So, you know, you knew what Patrick was, and he was pretty damn good when he yeah. would come in. He would just always blow up and, and be the go to guy. So, um, I, I love Hamler this year uh, with the Patrick injury, unfortunately, but it bumps him up. So yeah, uh, and to where I've got that. Judy five spots lower, I've got Hamler ten spots higher. So there you go. All right, all right. Finish things out here. All right, back to the catchers. I mean the tight ends. My bad. <laughs> you right, got that? So I'll talk about two of them. One is Dallas Goddard. I mean, I know everyone's high on him. I got him at tight end 11. That's four spots lower than where most people do. Hey, at the end of the day, last season, this Eagles was a run-first team. They're, I think, transitioning more into the passing game right now. But I think it's going to be funneled through. You mentioned Devonta Smith. And then there's also this guy named A.J. Brown who's going to get a good, healthy chunk Kinda of targets. Kind of good. Yeah, so yeah. Devonta Smith, I don't think those targets are going to go anywhere for Smith. I really don't. I think yeah. that's going to be what Smith had is what he's going to have. However – Someone's got to get some extra targets, and that's going to be A.J. Brown. And unfortunately, that's probably going to affect Dallas Goddard more than it's going to affect Devontae Smith because I think Smith yeah. is going to stretch field the teams out a little bit more. He's going to be that deep guy. A.J. Brown, well, he's going to do some deep stuff there. He's going to do some more intermediate and short kind of things more often than not, which is kind of where Dallas Goddard has made his pay. So for me, A.J. Brown is going to take away from Dallas Goddard somewhere. You're still getting him as a tight end one, but really the tight end position is an absolute wasteland when it comes down to it. So really – we're, there's probably a tight end right now ranked in someone's like number 33. Be the top five <laughs> tight end. It happens every year, right? Logan Thomas, Dalton Schultz. Every single year, there's a tight end like Brevin Jordan. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Just throwing him out there again. But the guy yeah. I want to talk about, avoid at all costs. Just take him off your board altogether. I have him down eight spots from where the consensus is, and it's Mike Gusecki. First off, he's not a tight end. Yes. He's a slot receiver. The problem with being a slot receiver right now in Miami is everyone's a slot receiver. Right. Jalen <laughs> Waddle's a slot receiver. Tyreek Hill's a slot receiver. Cedric Wilson's a slot receiver. When the hell is Gusecki going to play in the slot? He can't. And I mean, I mean this with the most They were trying respect. to trade him, weren't they? Probably, because they're not they going to get anything. 60% of Gusecki's receptions, that's 44 of them, came out of the slot. McDaniel's offense there. It requires tight ends to be willing participants in the run game and actually block somebody, which is something that Gesecki doesn't do very well. Now, looking at the the snaps there last season, we look at it, and Gesecki had 827 of them. Durham Smith had 715 snaps. Not bad. I mean, that makes you feel pretty good, right? Opportunity. However, in-line tight end snaps, in which you know McDaniels likes to do, George Kittle, for example, Durham Smith had... 521 of them. You want to guess how many Mike Gusecki had? 
99. I'll save you the time. 99. 99 of 827 snaps were from the tight end position. Yeah, yeah, you're right. 100%. I do have him three spots lower than the consensus. And like, he's just been, he's just been one of those guys that like I kept dropping and then the consensus started, started catching up later. <laughs> so like, I'm not as far down. That's as... why you got to put him like 23 and then yeah. and the consensus isn't going to catch up anytime soon. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, n- nobody else really for me to, to mention here that that's like worth commenting on is, you know, like I said, I, I get, cause I had Schultz higher. I've got Kittle lower, but I mean, it's about two spots. He's still up there. Still going to be a phenomenal player just when he's healthy, but um, yeah. yeah, I think that's pretty much it, man. I want to uh, thank you for coming on. This was a fantastic conversation. Yes, definitely. I really hope everybody learned a lot. Um, I do want to say one thing about Kaseki though. He still holds a good place in my heart because uh, he helped me beat this guy over here in a fantasy championship when he had who was the quarterback for the Dolphins that year? Was that was that Mister Fitzmagic? And uh, so Fitzmagic in week sixteen, I guess it would have been that week. Yeah, for thanks like for throwing. All Three four touchdowns. of your touchdowns directly to Mike Kosecki. Oh, yes. Who I had. <laughs> so not only negated the points, but went pew, with my tight end over his quarterback and smoked him in the championship. Yeah. It, <laughs> it might have been like 10 points, if that. Nah, I smoked you. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> anyway, Matt, uh, want to thank you again for coming on, man. It was an awesome conversation. Let everybody know where they can find you and what you got going on this season. I've got my hands in just about anything. I got the pros and Joes going on right now. So if you kind of scroll through my timeline at Matt Donnelly FF, you can see an opportunity to donate to that right now if you want. Nice. Every dollar yeah. helps. If you don't want to donate to my cause, if you don't want to co-manage a team, there's so many great people. There's so many great organizations. Throw a dollar towards them, whatever you can. Uh, when did those second, uh, I don't know. I think uh, I think I just got an email it's here. Weekend, yeah, I think it's start of next week, the seventh. I want to say, or no, not the seventh. That's what the season basically starts. I can't remember. I got <laughs> I got, I got tagged on a couple and was like, all right, yeah. so I'll donate. But <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's and a great then, cause. I, I love the idea. And then the other thing that I've got going on, I got I run a charity league every year in the playoffs. I've decided to pull that charity league from the playoffs to the regular season. Twenty five dollars is kind of the donation to get you in. You go to my Twitter handle there. There's a nice, beautiful graphic that's somewhere in the thread. I'll probably boost it here again a little bit later. But you get an opportunity to win a championship belt. I mean, trophy smack, we're going to get one of those. We've got all kinds of prizes from uh, reception perception, fantasy points. I mean, we've got all kinds of different prizes there. And just for donating $25 and getting in on this league, you get the consistency guide from Bob Long. You get the fantasy football playbook from Adam Murphy. So you're getting two publications just for throwing in $25. You're getting bang for your buck. Plus, we're donating to kids sports here in Canada. So any every kid should have an opportunity to play a game that they love. I mean, at the end of the day, these are these sports, football, hockey, baseball, whatever it is, they're games for children. Children should be allowed to play it regardless of what situations they're dealing with. So uh, I strongly believe in this. And Again, if you want to get in there, go get some competition. Uh, Bob Harris, he's in on there too, so you got to go again and try and beat him. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a great cause. And again, check out the YouTube channel. I mean, we're dropping videos every week on the ViperCast. And honestly, just kind of Google in the YouTube search, uh, ViperCast or Dynasty Vipers. I'm sure something will pop up there. <laughs> and then finally, Fantasy Points, Friday night, heading into week two. We've got the Friday night hype show, little Fantasy Points After Dark. 
This energy right here is coming at you each and every week to preview all of Sunday's matchups and talk about the storylines that I want to talk about for that week. So you're not going to want to miss that. He hides all that energy in that stash. He just sniffs it. He just, and then if you, it if is, well, you feeling know, down, just, people, people just had to shotgun like thing, beer man. and stuff, right? You guys <laughs> like to shotgun beer. That's what all the college kids are doing. Well, I think go yeah. to like uh, Tim Hortons, grab like a double double, put pop, pop a hole in the bottom of my cup, and, <laughs> my coffee, oh, and I'm goodness. good to go. Shotgun a coffee, then we'll talk. I mean, woo, let's go. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> oh, I am terrible at shotgunning beers. <laughs> shotgunning so. coffee. Don't do the hot coffee. Let, let the coffee cool down. Okay? Yeah. Or you're going to get this <laughs> yeah, real the iced coffee. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, again, I want to thank you for coming on and uh, good luck this season in every league but King's Classic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I already, already decided. Really uh, I've already set my uh, measurements into wants. Bob Lung right now. My measurements are already into Bob Lung for the championship cummerbund, <laughs> so I'm ready to go. <laughs> you just, you know, you, you can you can win, I guess, if you decipher me and Rob's Morse code there. You know, we had. I was. Yeah, no, I have no idea. All right, man. Have a good night, and uh, thank you again, man. Peace. Appreciate. See you, man. All right, uh, all right, AJ. Um, so that is it for the preseason, the week. The, the games start next Thursday, which we will be live for the first game. Actually, who is the first game? Is that the um... Buffalo and the Rams? I was just going to say, I knew it was Buffalo. Well, yeah, it was a Buffalo Rams. Um, yeah, that'll be, that'll be a phenomenal game. Um, I'll have it on in the in the background, turning left a lot. You know, that's what happens during the during the during the weekly the broadcast. But uh we'll get those going. And, and by the way, guys, if you have not subscribed to this channel yet, please do so. We've got a ton of new content on this sh- channel. We've got Dave Eddie's DFS stuff going up. He's put a bunch of strategy um strategy guides up this past week. He's gonna be doing weekly content, like uh at least like three or four. He's gonna go over like the running back plays, the quarterback plays, the receivers and tight ends and defenses, I think, mixed in there. Um every week, uh different days. And then we've got Herms and McLateral doing their doing the 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 lateral. We've got the everyday fantasy football podcast. We're gonna get Richard back in there. We've got the Wolfpack guys coming back. We've got a ton of stuff, and there might be one more coming. I'm still working on the details. I don't want to spill anything yet, obviously. Uh, but Fine, we might have it. one Jeez. more coming in. So yeah, there's there's a lot coming on this fan on this YouTube fantasy uh, six pack channel. So uh, you gotta subscribe. Gotta get in on all of this work that we're doing here. And uh, again, do the get in on that subscription as well and uh, talk to us directly on discord and that's it. See y'all next week. Uh-huh.